0: Praise the Lord. Amen. Hello, everybody watching on the internet, I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and I want you to know tonight that God has his eye on you. Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. Those in the studio audience, can you lift your hands and say praise the Lord? Amen. Glory to God. Have a seat and make yourself comfortable. I'm so happy that we can join together and open up the Bible and study God's Word and receive supernatural guidance and insight for our lives. I believe that tonight the Lord has wanted me to share this message because just as the sons of Issachar, they knew prophetic times and seasons. I believe that when we know what God's up to, that we can flow with the Holy Spirit, and we can go quicker from point A to point B without having to zigzag all over the place and waste time. Praise God. So tonight, I want to preach a message in, in light of the prophetic symbolism expressed through the date, 8, 8 18. Praise God. Now, even if you're watching this afterwards, and of course, some of you are watching this from countries. You've already crossed over into the next day. That's okay. There's still an anointing on this message. And if you'll listen to this message and extract the, the core thrust of what the Spirit is saying, you will be positioned to step into the new season that begins right now. Praise God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your Word tonight, we ask that you would open up the Scriptures that there would be a portal of light, a portal of understanding that would penetrate our minds, our hearts, and that we would know the season that we're in, and that we would engage with you as you are like this heavenly locomotive pulling the glory train that we are on board with. So, Father, we thank you. It's time to get picked up and ride into the glory, and we thank you that it's pickup time. So, we give you praise. We step on board in faith. Thank you for this prophetic moment in history. In Jesus' name, and around the world, we all say amen. amen. Praise God. Well, I can tell you exactly where I was on eight, 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 And I, I want to say something. Ten years from now, I believe you will be able to look back on this date, and you, you will see that it was a defining moment in your Christian journey. Praise God. I can tell you exactly where I was at 10 years ago to this night. I was in a prophetic service. We were celebrating 888 and what God was doing in that hour. But oftentimes, God runs on 10 year time plans, okay? And things change, old things phase out, new things phase in, and you have to be ready for the next wave of glory. Can you say amen? Matter of fact, uh, this very night, 10 years ago, I was preaching in a conference in San Francisco, and God did miracles that night. Uh, the pastor had a hernia, and he, he also had uh, hemorrhoids. Excuse me, he had very severe hemorrhoids, had not been able to urinate for several days. He was in great pain and uh, had other problems associated with that. But when I prayed for him under the anointing, the Lord Jesus instantly healed him, and he made a straight beeline for the restroom, and was able to eliminate everything that had been piled up for days and days. Praise God. That was also a time where one of the ministers in the audience was taking pictures, and she was taking pictures of me when I was preaching. And then when the, uh, the, the film was looked at, the pictures were viewed, there were flames flames of fire emanating from me that were caught supernaturally on the camera. Praise God. So I know where I was at 10 years ago. But my friends, tonight, God wants to do something special to move you into the next season of your life. It begins tonight, okay? And you're going to go into this next season, I believe, should the Lord tarry. And we are still here 10 years from now. And you need to have an attitude of, you know, completing your assignment on earth. I know there is a catching up. I know there's a lot of debate on when that moment actually is, but I would suggest to you that it is very wise to stay on task and be living all out for the Lord, and when that moment happens, it happens. praise God, but up, up till that point, we have a lot to do, and God has a new season for you to step into. I want to talk tonight particularly about the significance of eight eight eighteen, what it means in the eyes of God what it means according to the Biblical pattern. So I want to share with you a little bit of Biblical understanding about numbers in the Bible. They're not there just to take up space. They're not there to just record historical information, although they do that. They do give us facts and details and things along that line. And they're always trustworthy even if our own mind of understanding struggles with it. I know with uh, the Israeli archaeologists, some of them are very secular. They don't even believe in God, even though they're Jewish and live in the Holy Land. Some of their leading archaeologists are what we would call atheist or maybe an agnostic. And so when they read certain scriptures about uh, such as uh a army of 185,000 coming against Jerusalem. And it looks like Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. But that night, God sent one angel, and that angel walked through the camp and killed 185,000 of their most able men. They woke up the next morning, those that were still alive, there are dead bodies all over the place. And so, you know, if you were to ask those archaeologists uh, who are skeptical about all of that, because all the other evidence in the, in the stories line up. And the historical accounts are all true. They're verifiable even in the neighboring countries that recorded the events on their own tablets of stone and so forth. Uh, You know, the archaeologists don't have any explanation for uh, for the reason why all of these men died. I know some tried to say things like, well, the, you, you know, um, uh, they got struck with a plague that night, and uh, the rats ate up all the bowstrings. That's why the remaining soldiers couldn't do anything. They just left. But my friends, the truth is that God killed 185,000. Even if that number seems extraordinary, it's still true. Praise God. So I want to talk a little bit about numbers because they do give identification. They do give information, but they are also prophetic. Praise the Lord. Now, let's just go through a few of them as we're going to go up to the number 8, and just briefly tonight I want to share a message of crossing over into the promised land, and why the number 8 is very significant in regards to that. So first of all, we have the number 1, numero uno, right? And 1 in Scripture denotes God's highest level of unity, and it also really speaks of God's sovereignty. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is what? 300 million? One. You can go to India, and it can get quite interesting. Over 300 million gods that are worshipped. And, you know, when you go to all uh, the large cities of India and you travel around, you see all the various temples and the different gods that are worshipped. I was uh, at a friend's uh, ministry headquarters one time, and I, I said, what's that building uh, next door to you? It, it says it's the school of the Cobra Khan. And it, it was written in, in English and also written in, in the Indian language. I said, what is that? And, uh, oh, he said, that's the elementary school next door. I said, why is it called the school of the Cobra Khan? He said, oh, because they worship the Cobra God. They worship the Cobra snake. How about that? Take your children that are five and six years old and get them devoted to the Cobra God. Woo! You're talking about some, some rough dreams, my friends. Praise God. But see, the Lord our God is one. So one carries prophetic symbolism of the highest level of unity and also speaks of God's sovereignty. God is over all. Praise God. Now, we come next to the number two. Two consistently symbolizes an element of God's creation, and also ties it in with that of a true witness. For example, Genesis chapter 1, verse 16, there were two great lights of creation. What were they? The sun by day, and the moon by night. And we see other examples of this, Genesis chapter 7, verse 2, you shall take with you Seven of each, every clean animal, a male and his female. Two of uh, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. So they came into the ark. How? Two by two. Praise the Lord. You also see in regards to the the design of the ark of the covenant that two cherubim guarded the Ark of the Covenant. One on each side looking down, uh, looking with wonder and amazement at the concept of the mercy of God. That would be Exodus chapter 25 verse 22. And of course the Apostle Paul uh, quoting from the Old Testament in an example of stating doctrine and good teaching said in Second Corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 by the mouth of two Or three witnesses, every word shall be established. So it's good if you have three, but really all it takes is two. And if you're in a court of law, and you have two very credible witnesses, that is very, very powerful, and very difficult to undermine. So two symbolizes an element of creation, as well as the true witness. Praise God let's move on to the number three. Maybe as we go through a few of these numbers, uh, you just kind of are drawn towards a certain one. You know, sometimes guys, they like to put a co- uh, on their car like a certain number. Or those that are in sports, they want a certain number and another number they don't want. Uh, you know, nobody really wants number 13, right? Uh, sometimes somebody has to get it. Uh, but in some In some cultures, like the Asian cultures, there are certain numbers you dare not have a certain floor labeled that number. Nobody would ever live on it. And uh, there are certain things that run even deeper in the Jewish Hebraic mindset uh, concerning numbers, but in the Jewish mindset, they are biblically based. Uh, Number three, the number three signifies the Holy Trinity and resurrection life. Can you say amen? The Holy Trinity comprised of God the Father, God the Son, who would be Jesus, and of course the Holy Spirit. So we see the Holy Trinity. We also see on the third day, it says in Hosea 6-2, on the third day He will raise us up, that we may live in His sight. And that of course would be moving into what we would know as the millennial day. And many times you see that prophetic symbolism again. A day or or a year in the eyes of the Lord is, it's just like a day. Okay? And so sometimes you see years and you see days. And they're actually both speaking of the same thing. Time, times, and half a time. Okay, three and a half years. And you get into the the poetic, prophetic language of Revelation, and especially of Daniel. And this is just common knowledge. You have to learn uh, that prophetic symbolism, interpret it, because it's consistent in its interpretation. And then you begin to see clearly uh, into the Hebraic mindset how they think and how they view certain numbers. Uh, three signifying uh, the Trinity and resurrection life. We also have uh, the story of Jonah. He spent three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish. Jesus even identified the authenticity of that. He quoted from it in Matthew chapter 12 verse 40. It's true. It's real. Hallelujah. Praise God. And of course Jesus himself was resurrected from the dead on the third day. So we see three signifying the Holy Trinity, and also consistently that of resurrection life. And so as I'm going through a few of these, I I don't have time really to unfold all of this. These are just basic examples. It runs deep On every single number and some more than others and you'll see that is an example when we get to the number seven and the number eight they have very very strong prophetic meaning so uh, Jesus also said concerning resurrection life he told the, the Pharisees he said destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up so the number is consistent in its application praise God let's go on next to the number four four relates to the earth realm. I know some of you want to get spiritual, but sometimes before you get spiritual, you got to get natural. You know what I mean? You have to have the basics covered. It's, it's uh, You know, people say, I want to get caught up to heaven. I want to have a glorious encounter. Okay, that's nice. Let's knock the dishes out first. The angels, they like to take you to heaven, but it would be better if we clean up all the dishes, maybe vacuum the house, and, uh, you know, do these other things where we have order in our life. Mm, praise God. That's one of the traits of the apostolic, is that it puts things in order. Paul told Timothy, when I come, I'll put things in order. And that was consistent with the apostolic ministry, bringing in divine order. Not, not legalism, but you have to have structural order, or you have chaos. You also see order in government. If we don't have government, everything is, is, goes crazy. And you never want to live in a nation or a country where you're ca- constantly having coups, overthrows of the nation, uh, wild militias, you know, lawlessness in the streets. We thank God for divine order and things relating to the earth realm so that we have a peaceable life. So four relates to the earth realm. The earth has four seasons, winter, spring, summer, and fall. We all have our uh, favorite uh, season in that, but we thank God we've got four. There are also four primary directions, north, south, where else? East and West. Praise God. And we also have four gospels that of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and then we have the great parable, the granddaddy of all the parables, which gave the four types of the soil of a person's heart, where the seed of the Word of God is sown, and uh, whatever that condition is, greatly affects the outcome of that seed, whether it uh, just never produces, or produces a great harvest, some being thirty, others sixty, And the one we aim for, the 100-fold return. So four relates to what realm? The heavenly realm or the earth realm? It relates to the earth realm. Praise God. Now, the number five. I've always liked the number five. I even remember when I was five years old and Sesame Street would come on and all the puppets would sing about five. Boy, that was big on five, praise God. I, I have to be honest, I, I still like it today. I don't sing along with the puppets anymore, uh, but I, I do like the number five, and five is consistently associated with grace praise the Lord you see in the book of Leviticus Leviticus meaning pertaining to the Levites or the rules for those in the servants at uh, the service at the temple and also for the priestly ministry that the five Levitical offerings are laid out and you see grace carried through the shedding of blood in each one the fruit of The first fruits, all of those types of things. You also have the first five books of the Bible, and while they do contain the law of God, it also reveals the grace, the love, and the mercy of God as well. Praise God. Uh, David used five smooth stones to defeat Goliath. The grace of God giving you the strength to overcome any giant in your life. We also have the five ministry gift offices. These are grace gifts to the church. You, you can't buy your way into this. It's, it's a selection by God through grace. And they are gifts. Um, they're technically called ascension gifts to the church. Because Jesus... <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus distributed these gifts while he was ascending up on high. Praise God. They are the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. How many of you like the number five tonight? Praise God. Jesus also multiplied five loaves of bread To feed 5,000 people. That's Matthew 14, 17. So we see grace is consistent in its meaning. I also like the example Genesis 43, 34, where referring to Benjamin, it says portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and they were merry with him. So, five representing grace also can be interpreted even as favor. When you see the spirit of grace mentioned in the book of Zechariah, if you look at it in the Amplified Bible, it's also translated as the spirit of favor. And many times it's associated with the number five. Can you say, Praise the Lord? Hallelujah. We're, we're just getting somewhere tonight, going on a little journey, but I want you to see this because there is biblical depth, uh, depth to the meaning of numbers, uh, just like there is a meaning prophetically to colors and other things in the Bible, but tonight we're talking about uh, specific numbers. Let's go on to the number six. Uh, six consistently throughout the Word of God speaks of the number of man. It speaks of the number of man in his humanness, particularly that of the fallen nature of man. Six, by the way, falls short of the number of seven. Seven is like God's big number, okay? It's the perfection of God. So what is man? Six, falling short of the glory of God. So in, it was on the sixth day that God created man, Genesis 1, 27. Six days were given to man to work, Exodus 20, verse 9. Six generations of Cain's descendants. Six years a servant had to work before he could be set free. Six times, Jesus was accused of being demon possessed. Six times, Jesus was asked to give a sign to prove himself. That was a very, you know, ungodly thing to have asked him to do. Six New Testament references to people practicing sorcery or divination. Okay? And it's important to also understand that 666 is a number that is representative of what we could call the unholy trinity. See, you have the Holy Trinity, you have God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you have the unholy trinity consisting of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. And that is, that is produced through the 666 system. The number specifically though is assigned to a person, and it tells you in Revelation that wisdom is to find out who it's referring to. So 666 is the number of the Antichrist who will eventually command everyone to take a mark either on their hands or on their foreheads. And if you don't have the mark, you can't go shopping, you can't buy, you can't sell. So, uh, by the way, that's the mark you never ever want to take. Don't let anybody ever put a microchip into your body. I know it might uh, expedite the checking in and out of the airport or something like that, but don't do it. Don't accept any kind of thing like that into your body. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give you praise today. Let's go on to number seven. Number seven is God's number of completion. And it represents completion, perfection, and rest. How many of you like the number seven? I tell you what, even the world likes the number seven. Las Vegas, seven, seven, seven. Put some more coins in. Come on, 777, seven, seven, praise God. I'm not advocating gambling, praise God. Sow your money. You'll get a much better return, praise God. Invest your money. Do anything but gamble it away. The only people making money are the, are the casinos. You know, when they built the Mirage Casino, they had the whole thing paid off debt-free within one year. Well, Pastor Steve, how'd they do that? With your, with your money. If you went there with your money, playing, paying, uh, playing at them slot machines. That's why it's sometimes called not just a city of Las Vegas, but of course the city of lost wages. Praise God. Alright. The number seven is God's completion, His perfection, and rest. On the seventh day of creation, it was completed, so God rested. You, all, you also have seven great land masses, which form the complete Earth. Most geologists and those who study uh, the, the, the structure of the world understand that there most likely was at one time a supercontinent that they call Pangea. They're not sure what caused it to break up or how it began to split apart, but it basically began to split apart into severed, uh, excuse me, seven major components. And if you ever have seen supercomputer simulation, that if you take the jigsaw puzzles and the little bitty islands that are scattered all over the place, and you form it all back into one giant landmass, they all begin to fit back together like a great puzzle. And uh, that's because today we now have seven... I really believe it got broken up during Noah's flood. When the fountains of the great deep erupted and everything was poured down from the heavens, all the rain. There was earthquakes and all kinds of uh, stuff going on. So what took place is that it just broke up the supercontinent. Then we were left with seven large land masses that we know today. Now we also have seven great bodies of water that form one complete ocean. A lot of people don't know this, but the Pacific and the Atlantic, although they're on various sides of, of America, it's still one global ocean. One, one giant ocean, the Mediterranean, and you take an, and just put them all together, they're all interconnected. And I really believe that the, the technology is already available to clean up all the garbage in, in the oceans, and God's going to do something about that. Uh, I'm not saying it's all going to happen before the millennium, but it is a problem, because in the middle of the Pacific, there is a, it's like a giant trash heap, and it's four feet deep, so that, that's pretty deep, four feet deep, and it's twice the size of Texas, and it just swirls. There's a lot of plastic, mainly plastic. And plastic will never break down. It's not biodegradable. So it will be there still 100 years from now. But I believe God's going to give the innovation and the technology to clean up the earth. But eventually... It's going to get really cleansed. And Peter mentioned that in his, in his epistle, when the heavens get rolled up like a scroll and the fire of God goes throughout the whole planet. Now that's after the 1,000 year reign of the Lord is complete, okay? And we're rolling into really unlimited time, moving into eternity or in infinity but there will be a cleansing. Some people think that God's going to destroy the planet and destroy the heavens. That's not what is being spoken of in the Greek. In the Greek, it actually means to renew and to deeply purge and cleanse by fire, okay? So God will eventually cleanse this whole planet. It's going to need it. There's, uh, there's, uh, we've, we've got like, What's the nuclear waste? That stuff won't go away for thousands of years, and it's just buried in containers. A lot of those containers are leaking. So all that's going to be cleaned up. There's going to be cleansing. Even out in space, all of that will be cleansed by fire because of all the things that have been broadcast, even radio signals going out into outer space uh, with, you know, perverted music and all kinds of blasphemous words. All of that's going to be cleansed as by fire. Praise God. So, we have seven great bodies of water that form a complete ocean. Seven is God's number of completion. Uh, seven colors make a perfect a perfect spectrum. Also there's seven colors in the rainbow. You would think that the uh, LGBT community would have caught that. They've only got six colors on their flag. It's a counterfeit. Everything the devil does is uh, of God is counterfeit. There'll be a little bit of truth in there. But it's counterfeit, and the man in San Francisco that uh, was the guy that came up with this flag uh, probably wanted a different flag, but uh, there was, uh, who was it, the Freemasons? They had a young children's division for the Freemasons, I think for the girls, and so the only uh, flag he could find was a whole bunch of their flags that they couldn't sell. So he bought a whole bunch of their flags and made it the national flag for the LGBT community. But I, I just need to let you know it's inaccurate. It's wrong. I think it's so funny. It's, it's not even, well, we have the rainbows. I said, well, no, that's not the rainbow. That, you're wrong. That's not even the rainbow. That's not even scientifically right. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Oh, well, I thought it was really funny when they lit the White House up, you know, because uh, Mr. uh, What? Former President Obama and former Vice President Biden. Oh, they love the homosexual agenda. And if you you support them, you also you're right in there with them. So, you you know, let me tell you this. The Bible's right. They're wrong. I rest my case. You can argue all day long. You can try to be modern and contemporary. The book is right. They are wrong. They'll always be wrong. This will always be right. You should always try to side with this, by the way. Because when they're all gone, this will still be here. Praise God. <clears throat> Anyhow, they lit the, the White House up with the rainbow. The rainbow of colors. Sorry, wrong rain, rainbow. The real one has seven, and they lit it up with six. They couldn't even get that right. See, seven is God's number of completion, not six. What is that? That's man's number. Sinful man's number. Praise God. Seven notes make a perfect scale. Do our musicians know that tonight? Yes. Seven notes make a perfect scale. Seven covenants of God with man the Adamic Covenant, the Noaic Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant, Mosaic, Levitic, Davidic, and Messianic Covenant, praise God. Seven dispensations of God which complete human history. The seventh day was a Sabbath for Israel, a day of rest. The seventh year was a sabbatical year, a year of rest. You see the perfection and rest tied in with this number seven. It's consistent throughout the Bible, praise God. Hallelujah. Seven sabbatical years followed by the year of Jubilee. Seven days for the Feast of Passover. Seven weeks between Passover and Pentecost. Seven days for the Feast of Tabernacles. Seven years was the time that it took to complete the construction of the first temple. Seven pieces of furniture. In the tabernacle. Seven days was the time of mourning for the dead, when you could resume things back over again, get back involved with the camp, and uh, be around everybody else. Seven times of forgiving was elevated by Jesus to what? Seventy times seven. Wisdom, according to Proverbs 9.1, has how many pillars? Seven pillars. Mary Magdalene had seven evil spirits cast out of her for a complete deliverance. Praise God. Do you see the consistency with this number? I I need to go just a little bit more. I don't want you to think that with the study of numbers we get into Jewish mysticism or Kabbalicism or, you know, uh, the grammatry studies and things along that line that can sometimes get over into things that border new age. We're not talking about that. We're talking about biblical consistent means of prophetic symbolism for numbers as seen and expressed through the Bible. Praise God. Now, in the book of Revelation, it unloads with the number seven. That's your number? You need to be reading the book of Revelation. And there's a great display of the number seven consistently. Seven churches, seven letters to the seven churches, seven golden candlesticks, seven stars, seven angels, seven lamps of fire. That would be the Spirit of God, with seven different attributes. The seven spirits of God, seven seal judgments, seven horns, and seven eyes on the Lamb seven trumpets, seven trumpet judgments, seven thunders, 7,000 men slain. How many of you like the number seven? Praise God. Seven heads and seven crowns on the great red dragon, seven heads on the leopard-like beast of the sea, seven last plagues, seven golden vials, seven bold judgments, seven heads of blasphemy on the scarlet-colored beast, seven mountains, seven kings. There's more. Let's just take a break. Do you get the point? Do you get the point? Do I, do I need to go another whole page? <laughs> Pastor Stephen, I've got the point. Praise God. Isn't it amazing? Pastor Stephen, God was really unloading on the seven. Yes, God's, God's very special number. Mm-mm-mm. But, but, he also likes number eight a whole lot. Tonight, we are celebrating the Lord's glory, the wisdom of God as revealed through the Word, as manifested through the 8, 8, 18. Praise God. The number 8, are you ready? We're going to jump into it. 8, primarily, consistently throughout the Scripture. Now, you need to know this. This is why we're having this meeting tonight. I'm not up here talking just because, you know, I had some extra steam in my engine. I'm up here talking because I believe God has something to share with you. Praise God. 8, consistently represents in the Bible, new beginnings something new is going to be released in your life tonight. That is from the Lord, and it's really, really good. Eight represents new beginnings. Eight people were on the ark for the new beginning after the flood. Can you imagine getting off the ark? And I'm I'm telling you, it was a whole new world. It's like that Walt Disney movie, A Whole New World, and, you know, whatever the song was. It really was. Everything was changed. The topography was changed, and uh, there's still mountains, but things have been stripped, and uh, it was a very different world. It's exciting. Eight people were on the ark for the new beginning after the flood. Eight Beatitudes taught by Jesus at the famous Sermon on the Mount, as recorded in Matthew 5, 3-11. The eighth day starts the week over again. The eighth note on a piano starts the scale over again. And if you get the grand scale piano, how many keys does it have? Eighty-eight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. On the eighth day, a male child was circumcised according to the Mosaic law. On the eighth day, the firstborn son was to be given to Jehovah. And the the Lord also said, do not delay in doing this. It must be done on the eighth day. The eighth day was the day of consecration of Aaron and his sons as priests. That would be Leviticus 9. Eight covenants God made with Abraham. Eight people were resurrected in the Bible, not including the Lord and the saints who rose at that time. Okay, so it's consistent. The eighth son of Jesse was David, who became the new thing in Israel. Woo, they're probably ready to say, We're ready for a new thing. And the Bible says, Don't ever speak down of your leaders. So they were they, they were probably saying, Lord, thank you for Saul. Well, Lord, we're ready for a new thing. Lord, we're ready to get some leadership in here. And Saul, he he did the best he could, but see that Saul was man's choice. David, number eight, God's choice. Mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus, the second king, but the eighth son. That was God's choice, and what a difference he made. Praise God. Now, perhaps you've noticed this. If you were to uh, lay the number eight on its side, you have now the symbol of infinity. You have the symbol of unending eternity. Have you ever stopped to think that you're going to live forever? Everybody's going to live forever. Either in heaven or in hell. And then eventually in hell, those who are in hell are cast into the lake of fire. It's as they say, like going from the frying pan to the fire. Okay, so it's either heaven or hell. Praise God. So, we are designed by God to live forever. And if you go to be with the Lord, and you you are a believer in Christ, washed with the blood of Jesus, you go to be with the Lord in heaven, you will have a new glorified body that's designed just for you. It's your same body, but you become superhuman. You'll be able to do amazing things. You'll, I think one of the greatest things, you'll never get tired. You will never ever feel fatigue, ever. It's not like it's 10 o'clock at night in heaven, you have to go to sleep. No, you, know, you won't ever need to sleep. There are times for repose. There are times for uh, meditation. There are times for quiet moments. But, hey, there's always something going on. Praise God. It's going to be glorious. But those who are raised up to also to eternal damnation, who are taken out of hell, and who are judged at the white throne judgment, will then be thrown into the lake that burns with fire and brimstone for all eternity. And their bodies will be designed to endure that torture and that ceaseless punishment forever. Mm Boy, I tell you, in the denomination I grew up, those preachers in the denomination I grew up, they were literal hell, fire, and brimstone preachers. They'd scare the daylights out of you. We had one preacher. Boy, he could preach, and by the time he was done, you're like, oh, dear God, I'm going to repent of everything. Even I repented ten minutes ago, I'm going to repent all over again. Boy, they, they could just lay it on thick. And I remember one time, this one preacher, he came in there. You know, no smile. Scowl. And I, I'm not saying I agree with all of that. You know, you don't want to beat people over the head, and um, and it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. But you do need to tell people the truth. I mean, if the bridge is out, and they're driving as fast as they can down the road, you know they're going to go off the, the edge. You need to tell them the bridge is out. And you would, be, you would not love them if you did not tell them. You have to tell the people. It's either heaven or hell. Praise God. I remember this one preacher. He was up there preaching away, and, and uh, then he got, he got very stoic. And he said, I want you to think about the realm of eternity. We're all going to live forever. Then he began to describe the planet earth with the, he gave the diameter of the earth. How many miles it is around. I can't remember. I think it's like 27,000 miles. That if you were to get out and start walking and walk all the way around it. No telling how long it would take you to walk it, but it's about 27,000 miles. You come around, you made one loop, right? And so then he began to reduce it from a man walking it to a little ant. And he said, how long would it take the ant to walk all around the planet? You know, me and my brothers are sitting there thinking, well, that, that would probably take a thousand, a hundred thousand years. And you know, everybody in the church, the gears are turning. Oh, that took a long time for that little ant to walk all the way around the planet and to end up back where he started from. He said, now, he said, what if the, the, the little ant kept walking and walking until he began to wear a little tread in the earth? You know if you walk over something over and over it gets a little path? What if you began to get a little path in the earth? But instead of the earth being made out of dirt and rock whatever it is, he said let's say that the whole earth is made out of a solid ball of steel all the way through and it's solid steel and by the time that little ant walks around the earth so many times he's dug a path that has cut through the steel. He has walked it so many times he's worn a path even through the steel so much that it's cut the planet now in half by the path that he made he said even still we can calculate numbers higher than that you'll still be burning in hell <laughs> we were like whoa Whew, I'm not going to go to hell But let let's see on the flip side you go to be with the Lord forever a trillion years from now you'll still be with the Lord still new things to do new things to discover Never be, will ever be one boring day in your life. Hallelujah. But see, we're coming into the understanding, the concept of infinity, of eternal life. And it's all determined by the way that you live this short life that you have here on the earth. There are no retakes. Reincarnation is a lie. Don't ever believe such a stupid, foolish idea. The people that believe that are deceived. You can have a Ph.D. and believe that. But the devil laughs. There is no such thing as reincarnation. There's one monk that has traveled throughout uh, Tibet and Nepal, and this, this monk died. He was a Buddhist monk, and he died. And uh, the Lord, he was right on the edge. How can I say it like this? He, he saw a vision just before he had this opportunity to die. And he saw a vision, he, he saw heaven, and he saw hell. And he saw Buddha in hell. You talk about a, a persecuted minister because he's preaching the gospel today. But he saw, the founder of the Buddhism, he saw Buddha himself in hell, burning in the flames. And the Lord says, so you can choose. You want to come to heaven with me? Do you want to receive Jesus? Or do you want to go with your, you know, the one that you had been trained and raised up with to be your master? He said, I want to go with Jesus. I want, to, I want to receive eternal life. And he did. And he's preaching all over that part of the world today. But you can imagine how that is for those uh, monastic centers of Buddhism when they hear his message. Oh, but look, look, it's true. It's true. If Jesus is the only way to heaven, there is no other way. Any other way is a deception, is a lie. It only ends up in darkness and eternal damnation. And that is the truth. The book is right, and they are wrong. Praise God. Well, Pastor Stephen Oprah doesn't agree with that. The book is right, and they are wrong. Praise the Lord. Doesn't matter whether it's CNN, MSNBC, or whoever; they're all wrong, and the book is right. Praise God, and they will be judged according to this book. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So, I, just just saying, I, I can sense some of you cringe. Why are you cringing? Are, are you afraid of the truth? Has the, has the political correctness spirit so sabotaged your thinking that you can't even think on your own anymore? Have you just thrown all the standards out? Why do you cringe? Well, I don't, I don't want people to think, what, that you're saved? You love God? And you're going to heaven? They're wrong. This is right. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm-mm-mm. See that the courage is coming back to the church. A fire is coming back to the church. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you praise. Now, this is what's very interesting about the number eight, and also its association with infinity and eternity. Now, I'm not just saying that because if you lay it on the side, it looks like, you know, the symbol of infinity. But you have to also understand the Hebraic mindset and its meaning according to the teachings of the Jewish rabbis. The number 8 means new beginnings, but it also means to satiate, and it includes the concept of fatness. Okay? 8, 8, 18. Something new is coming into your life. It's a new beginning, but it will have associated with it a satiation. You're going to become saturated with the new beginning, a new thing God's doing in your life, and fatness, wealth, wealth, Prosperity will be attached to it. That's that's in the B I B L E. That is the concept. You can study the numbers, you can study the Hebrew alphabet. Everything has meaning. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's go further. And the Jewish mind of their rabbis and the and and the teachers uh, of the law and the Pentateuch, the number eight is understood to mean moving. Now watch this. Moving from the natural over into the miraculous into the supernatural. That's what they think of when they think eight. When they think eight, they think we're moving out from natural into the miraculous. Praise God. That's that. And that is in their mind. It has been there for a long, long time. Praise God. And it is biblically based. When the Jews understand that when the Jews recaptured the Holy Temple from the Greeks during the Maccabean Revolt in 164 B.C. Let me stop just for a moment. Jerusalem has been occupied, overthrown, occupied, overthrown, I think like 22 times. Wars have been fought over it, and other nations have come in. Eventually, later on, the Romans take over it, and they they occupy what we know as the nation of Israel. But before that, the Greeks came in with their Hellenistic culture, their Greek culture. What was it a culture of? Paganism. Probably the best way to say it, just raw paganism. And they began under the Greek culture with the strength of their army and the strength of their financial empire they begin to spread Greek culture all throughout the world and they begin to take it into Egypt and into the Middle East into the area that we know as the, the, the nation of Israel and they begin to occupy the Holy Land of Israel. And they began to say, now that we have occupied you, you're going to begin to do things our way instead of the ways of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That that was nice, but no more of that. We have our ideas, we have our concepts, and we're going to force them on you. And so one of the rulers of of Jerusalem, what he did uh, intentionally, uh, he built a gymnasium. Just outside of where the Jewish temple was during that time. And he built the gymnasium. And anybody that went to the gymnasium, in order to go to the gymnasium to exercise, to work out, you could only go there if you took all of your clothes off and you performed in nudity. You have to understand the original Olympics conducted by the Greeks were all done in nudity. And uh, all the races were done with men with no clothes on and things like that. And so they're taking all of that culture and they're trying to force it on the Jewish people. But you had some that said, hey, you can try to ram it down our throats, but we're not taking that. And so they began to form uh, guerrilla warfare, militias, and they began to fight off uh, the Greeks, and they began to win some battles, and they began to get stronger and stronger. And then eventually you had what was called the Maccabean Revolt in 164 BC, where they did throw off the Greeks and pushed them out, much to the surprise of everybody. Now, when the Jews came into the Temple, after it had been desecrated and defiled, they only had enough oil to to last for one day with the menorah. But the first thing that they wanted to do was to light the golden menorah. So with only enough oil for one day, they went ahead and poured the oil in because they knew it's going to take seven more days to get purified oil. The oil would have to come all the way from Mount Carmel. It would have to be processed according to the uh, rabbinical uh, traditions, and then we can use it. It's going to take seven days. But they went ahead with one day supply. They lit the menorah, and instead of it going out, it stayed lit supernaturally for eight days. This is the miracle that took place with the number eight. So uh, today's Jews, uh, today the Jews all around the world will light their menorahs for eight days during Hanukkah. Of course, Hanukkah is usually in December. You, you uh, uh, oftentimes you see uh, regular people celebrating Christmas, and you're like, well, what are these Jewish people doing? What is this thing called Hanukkah? Well, that's what it's all about. It's about the Maccabean Revolt, their win against the Greeks. And the lighting of the menorah, and how it stayed lit by the miracle power of God for eight days, when there was only enough oil for one day. Praise God. So, you have to understand, the number eight for them means miracle. Okay? They start thinking with eight, miracle. The menorah, not going out, staying lit, eight days. They start thinking miracle. The oil lasting supernaturally eight days represents the number eight in its association with miracles in the ancient understanding of the Jewish people. Praise God. So I believe that at this moment, tonight, we are in a divine opportunity on 8-8-2018 for us to step into a season of a new beginning that God has already ordered for your life, and He wants to release it over your life tonight. As I said earlier, I knew exactly where I was 10 years ago on eight. Eight, eight, and God took me into a, a season of ten years of of, of of flowing with Him and moving with Him and traveling with Him and doing all kinds of wonderful things with Him and enjoying my my marriage, my family, the whole the whole package. But see, there are seasons. There's season, a time for a new season, not just for me. But I'm telling, I'm preaching this for you. This is your new season. Eight, eight 18. Praise God. And I believe that 10 years from now, should the Lord tarry, you'll be able to look back and see that you moved into a new season on this very night. Praise God. So, I just briefly want to talk to you about your new thing, okay? And I want you to know what to expect, and also uh, how, by faith, you can step into it. Are you ready? Praise God. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Okay, so I want to say something. Your old season is over. Just say bye-bye. Well, Pastor Stephen, it's not New Year's. Uh, It doesn't always work like that. You go with that prophetic anointing. God has anointing on number eight. It means new beginnings. Okay. It's also associated with moving into the miraculous. It's also associated always with fatness and the satiation of the wealth of God. Praise God. Do not remember the former things. Why? God's got something better for you. Are you ready to go into it? Nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. I'm here tonight to announce your new thing. Woo! Woo! I don't know what it is, but God does, but I know it's coming to you. That's why I'm here tonight to tell you about it, to tell you to be looking for it, and to get ready for it. Behold, I will do. God said, I will do. And he's able to do it. I will do a new thing. Now, it shall spring forth. Pastor Stephen, on the year 2042, it's all going to unload. No, now, it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Shall you not know it? I believe it's too big to miss. Mm, Thank you, Lord Jesus. I will even make a road in the wilderness. And rivers in the desert. God God can open up things for you. It, It doesn't matter how difficult or dry or barren it may look. God can change all of it. And he can take you in to where you're supposed to go in him. Praise God. Now this next verse is important. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward... Uh, the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I, I just kind of read through that verse quickly because I want to go back over it one more time. I want to take the commas out. Why? They're not there in the original Greek. So there are quite a few translators who feel that putting the commas in there really actually detract from the true meaning of what Paul is trying to say. There's also two words in there that are in italics. And many commentators also think that those words also detract from what Paul is trying to say. So I want to take out the italicized words. Remember, if it's in italics, it is not there in the original language. It's only put there with the hope of trying to help us grasp the context of what's being said. Sometimes it really helps. Sometimes though, it probably would have been better to have not put it in there. So let's take out the italics, let's take out the commas, and read it one more time. Paul said, Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend it but one thing. Okay. he said I've apprehended one thing what is it forgetting those things which are behind you've got to forget them and that's one thing that Paul apprehended he caught the revelation I've got to let go of my past and he look. He had a past that needed to be let go of, and the, the 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 guilt, the remorse. But you know what? It's water under the bridge. You can't do anything about it. So in Christ, your sins are washed away, and God cleanses your conscience, and you're washed clean. My friends, you've got to let it go. Praise God. Well, so-and-so brings it up to me. Well, maybe you need some new friends. Get in some new environments. Praise God. And the Lord will help you with that. But Paul said, this one thing I have apprehended, and that's forgetting those things which are behind. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And I'm telling you that you need to reach forward because your new season is here. 8, 8, 18. Praise God, it's here. Now, I'm telling you, it's here right now. Praise God. Okay, so expect to move into the new, supernaturally, with the fatness associated with it from the Lord. Now, number two, uh, this is very important. Expect for your silent years to be fulfilled, and for your primary purpose to now be convinced. Okay, now I want to say it one more time. Expect for your silent years to be fulfilled. Your silent years to be completed, it's a wrap. And for your primary purpose to be commenced, beginning now. Say it starts right now. Okay, so what, what do you mean, Pastor Stephen, by silent years? Silent years are years that God calls it from his perspective, dress rehearsal. Okay, is it real? Well, we're not going to say it's not real, but it's not the main thing. You've got to go through the dress rehearsals because it makes you comfortable, it makes you prepared, it makes you knowledgeable of the real thing when it's time for that. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying it's practice, but in some ways it is. It is. And if you're on God's plan, you're on God's path, He will take you through that. Why? What is the purpose of silent years? In one word, development. Okay, it's development that you need spiritually, it's the development that you need mentally, it is the growth of maturity that is irreplaceable. You cannot skip over this, you cannot go around it. You have to grow in wisdom and favor with God and man. Okay, so what we see is that we see the birth of Jesus, we have it recorded in the Bible. We know about his infancy, about his birth. We know about a Herod trying to kill him. We know about the the, uh, the the Magi, the wise men coming from the east. We have some interesting information, and then we also see him even up to the age of twelve, uh, asking questions at the temple. But after the age of twelve, what happens? He goes silent, and the scripture records go silent. And it, when, when is the next time we? We see Jesus come forth. He comes out of the silent years at what age? At the age of 30. Okay, now he went into the silent years at what age? At 12. He came out of the silent years at what age? 30. What's 30 minus 12? 18. 8, 8, 18. I prophesy over you that your silent years are fulfilled. I prophesy over you that your silent season, your silent years, they have produced what God wanted to produce in you, and you now come forth, and you step into the high purpose that God has prepared you for. Can you say, no, I believe that? Praise God. Everybody goes through silent years. The Lord Jesus went through them. Paul went through them in the Arabian desert, grabbing revelation from the Lord, maturing, getting insight on the new covenant. He got insight further than what most of the apostles, except for what John the Beloved walked in. But see, David also went through the season of the silent years. He's hiding out in the caves of En Gedi, while Saul is trying to hunt him. And it's just... It was just a time of maturity and developing him. Same thing with Joseph. You see recording of his life, and then he goes into 13 silent years of being in a prison. We hardly know anything that went on except for a little dream interpretation. But hey, all of that stuff could have happened in one day. What happened to the other 13 years? That's all quiet. Well, we want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. You don't need to know. It was for their benefit. And we don't need to know all the things that go on in our own development, yours or mine. But it's for a purpose. And you know, when you look at it, you say, God, you did a work. Hallelujah. You, you did a work. Praise God. And these are things that we all need. But you need to understand that season eventually comes to fulfillment. It's ended. And you now step out on the platform that God has prepared you for. So I say to you that your silent years are over. And that you're stepping forth. Now look. This is for the church. This is for the church. The church I think in many ways has been backed into the corner don't say anything, we don't want to offend anybody, and so what it has become, it's not sensitivity and love for people, it's it's called compromise, and we're afraid to say the truth, and uh, uh, even embarrassed of our faith, but God's going to bring the church out of the corner, and God is going to really cause the truth of the scripture, the righteous are bold as a lion. I tell you what, we need some of the Joan of Arc anointing back. Hallelujah. We need some warrior anointing in our midst, praise God, that says, go ahead and cut my head off. Burn me at the stake. I'm not backing off from these things that I know to be true. Praise God. And Martin Luther, he was a great reformer. He, he had uh, quite a few flaws in his life, which is greatly encouraging for us, because God can choose you, even though you might have major flaws. But God chose him, and uh, he stood before the, the inquiry and said, you know, basically, I, I cannot back away from these things that I know to be true. You can do to me whatever you want to do. I'm not changing my mind. Praise God. So, the church is getting the bite back, the silent years have been complete. Praise God. But I believe also there's been a lot of reformation, a lot of development, and it's coming forth. Praise God. Next, I want to say that it is your time to rise and shine. Okay? This is associated with the number 8, time to rise and shine. Arise and shine. Why? For the glory of the Lord has come, and is risen upon you, and his glory, now watch this, shall be seen on you. I believe the glory. I believe the anointing is going to get so strong on you that people are going to see it. Hallelujah. There will be tangible manifestations of the glory of God on you. There will be spiritual manifestations of the glory of God on you. And it will be evidence to those that are around you. Woo! Hallelujah. I believe that churches will be on fire, houses where people live that are godly will be on fire, and there will be quite a distinct difference between that which is of darkness and that which is of light, but the light is where the blessings at, where the glory is at, and where the goodness is at, so it's time to rise and shine, rise and shine, I believe any heaviness, any depression is coming off of you, hallelujah, any discouragement is breaking off of you, praise God because you're going into a new season, and you've got too much going on in your life that's too good and too glorious. Hallelujah. You're having too much of a good time in the Lord. Praise God. So you're rising up and shining. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, next, I would, I would like to read a scripture to you. Uh, this is another thing that I believe is going to happen as you're coming into this new season, and I believe it happens now. 8, 8, 18, Okay? I believe that that you need to be expecting for supernatural provision. Now watch this. Eight is associated with moving into the miracle realm. Okay. The Jews, that's how they think. Eight is going from natural into the miracle realm. Okay. So you need to expect supernatural provision to begin flowing in with the fatness associated with eight. Woo. Praise God. Here it is. Deuteronomy 8, 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you what? Power, okay, to get wealth to get wealth that he may establish his covenant what is the establishing of the Covenant Matthew chapter 28 preaching the gospel to all the world hallelujah so that everybody can have the opportunity to hear praise God preferably even in their own language and they can make their choice they can make their decision of who they want to have be their Lord praise God that he may establish his covenant which you swore to your fathers as it is this day so there is a time a season now a provision flowing in. 8, 8, 18. Okay? And it's going to flow uh, supernaturally, because the miracle realm is associated with the number 8. Can you say, I receive it? Praise God. Don't ever disconnect the blessing from the supernatural. See, the blessing, the power to get wealth, is in the miracle realm. It is a spiritual tangibility of genuine realness of God's goodness. Flowing, flowing, flowing. The blessing is supernatural, and the blessing is real. Praise God. So this provision that's coming in, I'm not just talking about you working Monday through Friday, and you get your paycheck, and you think, same old, same old. No, no, no. I'm talking supernatural. Supernatural. God, God's going to do things. You might get an idea. You start something on the side, and the side thing starts getting so you know wonderfully good you might even have to take your attention and give uh, all of your attention to the side thing because I'm telling you what God's going to begin to bless bless you like you've never seen before in your life hallelujah it's going to flow it's going to flow it begins tonight praise God now this is interesting I want to read this to you this is 1st Chronicles chapter 11 uh, verse 4 through Um, 9 I want you to expect to capture your Jerusalem. How about that? I want you to expect to capture your own Jerusalem. Praise God. Let let me read this to you from uh, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Uh, Then all Israel came together to David at Hebron, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Now, remember, David was in the Hebron for a time right around seven years. Praise the Lord. Let's, let's move on. Verse 4, And David and all Israel went to Jerusalem. Okay, so what's going on is they are moving to a new headquarters. David was just like, You know what? Hebron has been good. And, of course, Hebron, you can visit Hebron today. Uh, when you go to Israel but David enjoyed his time in Hebron but after a while it was time for a new headquarters praise God praise the Lord and so David and all Israel went to Jerusalem which is Jebus where the Jebusites were the inhabitants of the land but the inhabitants of Jebus said to David you shall not come in here now, you have to understand that when David and his men came to Jebus, and, and Jebus has an ancient history. If you go back even before that, you had Melchizedek, and he was the king of Salem. So even before the Jebusites, and the long time they were there, originally before that, you still had Salem, Jerusalem, Salem. Okay, so the history of Jerusalem goes back way, way, way a, a long time even before the Jebusites praise God but they said you're not going to ever ever take this city because when David and his men arrived and looked up at Jebus or what we know today as Jerusalem back in that day the, the walls that the Jebusites had built the archaeologists said the walls were 150 feet tall and you have drop off valley on each side so it did look impregnable And it did look like there's no way anybody's going to get this, which is why David's gears are turning, thinking, wow, I sure would like to have that place. That place could be the future headquarters of the nation of Israel. And by the way, it is. uh, Jerusalem is the eternal capital of Israel, which belongs to the Jewish people. Now, I know that one of the leaders of Hamas said, we are the ancient descendants of the children of the Jebusites absolute total baloney. There is no anthropologist, there is no archaeologist on a planet that believes that. There is absolutely no evidence of that. Matter of fact, the same person, the same jihadist who said that, also they recorded him speaking on Egyptian radio, and he said, I am a descendant of you. I am an Egyptian like you. But he gets on Western radio, Western TV, and says, we are the modern-day Jebusite descendants. Absolute, total lie. My friends, the city of Jerusalem belongs to the Jews. David won it fair and square. And the Jews have had a continual presence there for thousands and thousands of years. Praise God. Now, let's continue on with the story. Uh, verse 5, But the inhabitants of Jebus said to David, You shall not come in here. Nevertheless David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David. Now David said, Whoever attacks the Jebusites shall, first shall be chief and captain. And Joab the son of Zariah went up first and became chief. Then David dwelt in the stronghold. Therefore they call it the city of David. By the way, the city of David is outside of what is known now today as modern Jerusalem. If you want to see the ancient Jerusalem, go to the city of David. There are some of the most major um, archaeological excavations taking place in the nation. They're taking place right there at the city of David. Now, it's important to understand that David took Jerusalem through three qualities. Number one, wisdom. David said, we need to go up the, the water shaft. They'll never think about that. I mean, I'm telling you, that's an idea from God God give you one idea of wisdom, and you're like, I know how to do it. This, this can work. We need to do this. But see, even with the wisdom of God flowing, somebody's going to have to climb up that water shaft. What does that mean? It means not only must we have wisdom in order to get our uh, Jerusalem, but we must also have bravery. We must have courage. Why? Because when you pop out of the water shaft, they, they could have heard you coming. They they could ram a spear through you as soon as you pop up out of there. We we don't know what's going to happen there. There could be a fierce battle on the inside of the city. But... They took it by such surprise. They 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 came up uh, and they just overran them and they captured it just like that. So they had wisdom working for them. They had bravery and courage working for them. But they also had faith. Why do you have to have faith? Because there is no guarantee, really, how this is going to work out. You know, uh, except when you have the times of Thus saith the Lord, right? But I don't see a Thus saith the Lord. I just see David thinking, man. I think, I think God's in on this. This would be an amazing spot. Why? Because, because there's water there. And there's no other water anywhere else around that area. There's the Gihon Spring. And David is thinking, oh, this could be it. And it was it. And so they, they put it all on the line. And they captured the city. And it took faith to do it, praise the Lord. So I believe that when you walk in wisdom, when you walk in courage and you use your faith, to go forward, even if it looks like nothing's gonna happen, but you're walking, you're walking in courage, you're walking in wisdom, I believe, I believe that you'll see yourself taking your Jerusalem. Woo, glory to God. Can you say yes? Thank you, Lord Jesus. So look, this is what I believe. I believe some of you businessmen and business women, you need your own you need your own office You need your own headquarters. There are ministers that are watching. You need your own, you need your own ministry headquarters. I'm not talking about your garage. Okay. I'm not talking about the spare bedroom. I'm talking about you need to expand. You need to come into the, into the fullness that God has for you. You need to come into the miracle eight okay, the supernatural, and let God touch you, and you set something up that has eternal value. See, Jerusalem has that eight number associated. It will always be the eternal capital. Not Tel Aviv. It will always be the eternal capital of Israel. So eight can bring it into long-term legacy. Mmm, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Somebody, you need to get your own Jerusalem. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I'm getting ready to pray for you. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that it's time for you to have a new beginning. A new beginning. And I believe that one of the best ways to release your faith and to step into a prophetic word. That's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you a prophetic word. It's just to sow a seed into it. And what I'd like for you to do tonight is sow a seed that has the number eight in it. Okay? You could do eight. You could do eight, eight. You could do, you could do any combination of eights that you want to, okay? And, of course, the more eights that you put on it, the happier I'm going to be to receive your seed. Praise God. You can just get as happy as you want and put as many as you want on there. Praise God. And, you know, uh, let me ask one of our assistants. Can you get me that, that prophecy, uh, that Prophet Bill Hammond uh, gave to me. Thank you. And uh, I want to share with you uh, what your seed is going to go towards. Here in our ministry, we have the opportunity to purchase a Jerusalem, we have the opportunity to go up and take a new ministry center. The place that we're in right now, which is so nice, which is so beautiful, is a long-term lease that is coming to an end at the end of this year. So at the end of this year, we could renew the lease and keep on going, or, or we could take our Jerusalem. And you know what? It has been made available to us And so what we need to do is we need to come up with a down payment so that we can go up and take the Jerusalem for for the ministry, the new ministry headquarters. And what would be great about it is that, number one, we can buy it. We move out of leasing, and we come into a place of ownership. Number two, what's good about it, thank you, Lord Jesus, hallelujah. Number two is that it would double our square footage, okay? So we would go from the square footage that we're at right now, to double that. So that actually gives us really even more room than what we need, which is what we need, because we need room for growth. Okay? And even next, number three, we get closer even to Charlotte. Okay? So that way, those of you that would come to visit us, you can fly in the CLT into the Charlotte airport, and you can drive, you could drive to our new ministry center in about 25 minutes okay maybe 20 minutes if there's no traffic so there's a lot of things that like David looking at Jerusalem me and my wife are looking at this place we visit it we have already uh, been in in negotiations and so forth we believe that we can capture this place for the glory of God and that it really would be the the dwelling place of this ministry the Jerusalem of this ministry um, as far as I see as long as we're here on the planet praise God And it's somewhere that you could come and visit and be a part of the meetings. It's going to be something very, very special. Now, here is a prophecy I want to read to you that Bishop Bill Hammond gave to me and my wife when we were in Washington, D.C. And this is what he spoke to us and said. He said, I hear the Lord saying, you finished phase two of your ministry, but you're going from Hebron to Jerusalem. Now, let me let me share this as you're getting ready to go into your new season. What Bishop Bill Hammond did not know before he gave me this word was that I had a vision. And Jesus Christ, the sovereign potentate, the supreme head of the church, came and talked to me in person. You know what he told me? He said, you've completed phase two of your ministry, and you're now in phase three of your ministry. And here the prophet of God tells me I hear the Lord saying you finish phase two of your ministry. I'm telling you that uh, Bishop Hammond can hear from the Lord. And he said but you're going from Hebron to Jerusalem. I knew exactly what he meant by that. He said you're going to establish a headquarters. You're going to have your own land and plans. And that's exactly what this place would be. And you're going to see God begin to extend and expand your ministry. You're going to start going overseas much more. And uh, begin to go uh, into the anointing that the Lord had for me, the gifts of the Spirit that the Lord had for me, and the increase of that anointing. Praise God. Hallelujah. And there's more for the Word, but he goes on by saying... You have fulfilled partial like David fulfilled partially his prophecy when he became king of Israel in Hebron. And now you're moving from partial fulfillment to full prophetic fulfillment. Hallelujah. So this is what's going on. You have an opportunity to go into your new season. We have an opportunity to go into a new season also for the ministry. We need your help. This is a time when I need to hear from my covenant partners this is a time when I need to hear from my online church members this is a time when I need to hear from my friends around the world me say Pastor Stephen I want to go up to the Jerusalem God has for me I want to go into this new thing this new beginning associated with eight and God's fatness and the satiation of his power in my life I want to go into it so I want to help you go into yours praise God and so I want to encourage you if you'll sow a seed we will put it into the capture of our Jerusalem praise God and you know the best thing is I don't have to climb up of a water shaft praise God I don't have to get stabbed by a Jebusite praise God But we do go forward in the wisdom of God. We've prayed much about it. We've sought the Lord. We are negotiating in wise counsel. And we are walking in the wisdom of God. We are walking in the courage of God. Because we're walking according to the word of the Lord. The guidance of the Holy Spirit. We also have a very accurate prophecy. Praise God. And we're going by faith. Praise God. I want to encourage you to come with us into the new season. I believe God has things for you that are so glorious and beautiful that what Job said, he said his steps were bathed with cream. And I see the butter, the cream of God getting all over your feet, getting all over you. You're so beautiful in the Lord, so glorious in the, in the Lord that your face shines with the glory of God. Praise God. So I want to give you opportunity to touch the anointing of the new season, 8, 8, 18. Praise God. Even if you're watching this after this, the anointing's still on it. You can sow into it. Praise God. So I want to encourage you right now. Go online. Sow a seed. Get that number 8 in on that seed somehow. Just do what the Holy Spirit is anointing you and leading you to do. Sow the seed. And when you sow it. Write on it. Or make a note if you're doing it online that says, New Beginnings, Miracle Realm. New Beginnings, Miracle Realm. The number 8 is associated with miracles in the Hebraic mindset. Come up into the Miracle Realm. Woo, Hallelujah! Somebody need to put 8.18, Deuteronomy 8.18, because you're going to get touched with the power. I'm talking power of God to get wealth. And you're going to get it. Praise God. I, I was talking to a pastor one time uh, when I was over in Asia, and he said, uh, Brother Brooks, he, he said, did you hear about the church in, uh, in Seoul, the certain church over there? I said, no. I said, what happened? He said, well, the pastor stood up one time. No long pleading, no 10-year no, no, no or 10-month or fundraising. He stood up one time and said, we're going to take an offering for a new sanctuary, and I want, I want you to sow into it as the Spirit leads you. And so this pastor told me, he said, the offering that came in was so overflowing that the pastor of that church and 30 elders counting for 12 hours nonstop could not count all the money. Millions and millions and millions and millions. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. And millions and millions of dollars came in. That the that the elders board just finally said we're we're just exhausted we're, we can't even count any more money let's go home and get rested up and then eventually we'll pick it back up again but see I see such an, a flow such an anointing a power coming on you and I believe there are those that are watching that God is going to give you wisdom to begin to tap into the corrupt Babylonian system and you're going to have the divine insight to extract the wealth of the wicked and you're going to you're going to be a tither and you're going to be a giver and you're going to have you're going to have have to sit down with accountants. You're going to have to plan your giving strategy, where it's going to go and, and things like that because you're going to have so much. Praise God. Hallelujah! Now, those of you that would like to sow online, please go to the ministry website, StephenBrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage, and you can click that button and you can sow your seed. Come on, get a number eight in there somehow, and and we're going to pray over it. Me and the entire ministry team, we're going to pray over it, and we're going to be believing God that you're going to go into this new season. Those of you that would like to mail in your gift, please send it to Stephen Brooks International. P.O. Box 3456, Morrisville, North Carolina. Zip code 28117. Glory to God. I feel the anointing. Hallelujah. I believe God's going to do it for you. I don't know what this new season, this new thing is, but I know that there's glory on it. And you're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. You get on your knees and raise your hands and thank the Lord for the great thing He's doing. Now, I believe there's a, there's a great length associated with it because of the, the eternal aspect of the number 8. Praise God. So, this is God's hour. This is God's moment. Catch this wave of the Spirit. 8, 8, 18. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's have a song. Praise God. Now, as we're worshiping the Lord for a moment, just prepare your giving to do what the Holy Spirit is leading you to do. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. I'll be back in just a moment to pray a special prayer for you because you're going to go into your new season. You're going to go in. I'm going to pray for you in about three minutes. I'll be right back.
1: faithfulness, O God, my Father, there is no shadow of turn.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift your hands up. I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray for the seed that you're sowing. I think the number eight is going to be something very special for you. That every time you see it, you're going to think about the new season that you're in. You're going to think about the miracle realm of God's glory. You're going to think about the fatness of God in your life. Now, Father God, everybody that's watching right now and sowing, I pray, Father God, that you would make streams in their desert. I ask that you would make a river in their dry places. Father God, let their life be made like the Garden of Eden. Let your beauty and your glory be. Rise upon them. Let it be seen upon them, O God, for they are your children, the children of the Most High, God. Thank you, Jesus. Touch their giving, their seed, their offering. Touch it and multiply it for your glory and carry them in now to their new season. Lord, let the angels of the new season begin to evade their life with your presence hallelujah hallelujah glory the glory of God shining radiating on you now father let them see it as even as you said to the prophet Isaiah will you not know it Lord I thank you that they will know it that it will be beautiful that it will be glorious those who have not had jobs God's releasing the job hallelujah thank you Lord Jesus your years of silence are over Your silent season is complete. Hallelujah. God's bringing you in to the fullness of your calling. Not just plan B, plan A. Praise God. Pastor Kelly, did you have something? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we give you glory tonight. Praise the Lord. Just one second. Let's swing this around here. There we go. There we go. Amen. Okay? That's it. Amen. And yours. Amen.
2: I just want to bring uh, the scripture back again from Isaiah 43:19 where the Lord says, "Behold." Mm. What and what does that mean? It means to watch and see. It means the Lord we are actually going to see this new thing that God is doing. Uh, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, not next week. Okay. Yes. Not last year. Not in two weeks,
0: not in one year, but right now. Right now.
2: Right now. So, right now, by faith, you have to enter your new season. You have to enter your new beginning by faith. We have a part to play in this. And it's going to be something so big that God says, Behold, watch and see. Yes. You're going to see it happen. So, it's going to happen. And I just hear the Lord saying it's going to be something that He's never done in your life before.
0: Woo! Something it's a new.
2: Nothing, but something brand new Mm. maybe something you didn't even think of god is going to do in your life something you weren't even you just couldn't even imagine it happening god says i'm going to do something for you not your neighbor not your sister not aunt susie but for you Mm -hmm. i'm going to do something new for you watch it spring forth right now and i just feel an anointing for jobs right now I just sense the Lord is saying, I'm creating jobs even where there are no positions. Yes. I'm creating jobs for my people right now in Jesus' name. Right now I lift up the ones, Father, you know who they are. There are some that their jobs are ending this week. In fact, I know one whose job will be over on Friday. But I just hear the Lord saying, this is my plan. Yes. This is my perfect plan for you. I have a better place for you. So just take it by faith. I have a new season. For you, a new job, a new position that's even greater than it was before. And for the other ones that are looking for new jobs right now, put your faith out there right now. And I say fill out applications. uh, Go places where you think that you would never be able to work and fill out those applications. Yes. I just see applications coming from the bottom, going to the top. And yours will be placed on the top. They will look at yours first. And it may have been on the bottom, but for some reason... God is going to cause these people to look at your application first. Mm. You may not even qualify. There's other people that are more qualified than you, but God is saying it's time for you to enter your new season. Yes, It's a fresh new start for you in Jesus' name. So I just prophesy new jobs right now for God's people. New jobs, new positions, new wages, new salaries. I just thank you, Lord, for commissions and bonuses coming upon your people right now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for those new jobs. And I also want to just again point out uh, Deuteronomy 8.18. It is the Lord that gives us the power to get wealth. Mm. So we just want to keep in mind that it's him that gives us the power. And why does he do that? He does that to establish his covenant. upon the earth so there's a reason why he's doing it he's establishing a covenant with us
0: amen absolutely praise God amen so my friends I just want you to be mindful of the miracle anointing we're not here talking about you know just working more hours a week we're talking about God's miracle blessing this is this is what the Jewish people knew even through Hanukkah with the with the menorah being lit supernaturally for eight days. God's going to do miracles in your life. Praise God. So, Father, we just thank you. What you've done tonight, we seal it by your Spirit. We thank you, Father God, that the new thing is coming forth in their life, and it's glorious, it's beautiful. We praise you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Somebody's child is going to get a four-year paid scholarship, at a major university. And I don't always recommend some universities because of their, uh, you know, godless agenda. But there are some places that The students need to go. If you're going to be in medical, you have to go through certain things, and God will protect you and shield you. But you have to get certain type of training and qualification. Praise God. So God's going to send uh, some through certain doors. And God's going to even cause it to be paid for and be provided for. Praise God. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Some of you are looking for a $100,000 job, but God's going to give you a job that pays $250,000. Lord, we give you praise. And that is a word for somebody that's watching right now. Lord, we give you praise. Freedom in Jesus' I name. I right now uh,
2: contracts, and there's a, an individual that's about to sign a contract, and I hear the Lord saying, sign the contract. I am for that contract. Sign the contract, and you know who you are.
0: Praise in God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Sign the contract. Go up and take your Jerusalem. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. There's just in the 19, so we're just hanging out in the spirit. Hallelujah. That's what's nice about the Internet. We have all the time we want, right? We don't have to stop at a certain hour because we're going to a different program. We have all the time that we need. We thank God for that. So we want to take time to minister to you. Praise the Lord. Father, we just thank you. Glory, Father, touch your people, let them be refreshed and blessed and strengthened. We thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Now, this new thing is going to keep you very, very occupied. You're going to be busy, praise God, but it's for the Lord. It's God's plan for your life. Hallelujah. Amen. One more time, lift your hands. Father, we thank you for that anointing. Thank you for that anointing. We give you all the praise. Father, we want to celebrate the Lord Jesus. We want to take communion together. I want to ask you right now, go grab some communion. Grab some unleavened bread, some grape juice. Those that are in the live audience, go ahead and take the the communion and hold that. Father, we give you praise. Father, we thank you for the bread and the juice. We consecrate it. It's now holy and set apart unto you. It is now the flesh, and the blood, of our Savior. Hallelujah, Father. We thank you that as we partake the Lord's body. <clears throat> that is a divine mystery, but somehow we're all the body. And that when we receive this, we choose to walk in love and forgiveness towards others. Oh, Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for His wisdom. His, his strategy, that his victory is ours. So right now we just proclaim his death. And thank you for his power. In his name, amen. Let's receive the body of Christ. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you that we know where we're going. We thank you that we know where we're going to spend our eternity at. If there's anybody watching and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, all blessings originate with him. New season begins with him. So if you have not made Jesus your Savior, ask him right now to come into your heart. Just say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash them all away. I give my life to you. And I ask you to save me right now. Lord Jesus, I dedicate my life to you. And I live my life for you. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you prayed that, you're in the family of God. Hallelujah. So let us now receive the blood of Christ. Praise the Lord. Your silent season is over. Praise God. Hallelujah. Get your shout back. Jump out of bed tomorrow morning and run into the arms of the Lord and praise him and worship him because it's unfolding the new thing. Now, Father, we thank you for all that you've done. And it's all because of Jesus. Father, bless your people. Let them have good sleep tonight Speak to them through dreams, visions, revelations from on high. We thank you, Father God, that your glory is arising upon us. We give you all the praise. We thank you, Father, that Jesus is coming back soon, and he's going to do a great work in the church. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. My friends, thanks for watching tonight. Let's go out with a song of Thanksgiving, and I'll see you back again real soon. Till then, step into your new season. Bye-bye.
1: Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. Risen for he is risen, he is risen and he lives forevermore, and he is risen. Jesus is. For more information about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.